Today, I'd like you to turn with me to the third chapter of the book of Acts. Pastor Connie looks at some of the first instances of evangelism in the early church and finds applications for our world today, as well as hope for God's provision when we reach out. Let's listen together. You are a natural evangelist, and I say that with confidence for everybody across the board. We get our English word from the Greek word euangelion, which means good news. And traditionally, we use this word evangelist to refer to the good news about Jesus Christ specifically. But if we broaden it out to mean just ordinary good news, then you are an evangelist for something. There is something that you think is great and you tell other people about and you persuade them and you help them to see the greatness of this thing through your eyes, through your enthusiasm, and you just can't keep it to yourself. If we were in the sanctuary and if we were unmasked and if we could come close to each other, in other words, in the olden days, I would ask you to turn to someone near you and tell them some good news. And I am sure that some of you would go all naturalist on us. You can easily and frequently launch into the great benefits of this or that other natural product that would enhance our lives. You talk about a certain kind of water or a green powder or bee pollen, which is fantastic, or a natural supplement that would improve our lives or our complexion or our hair or our diet or our health. You naturalists know who you are. You are nothing if not evangelistic about it. I had dinner once with some vegan neighbors and we talked quite a bit about veganism because I asked and I wanted to know. They waxed lyrical. There was no shortage of conversation on that subject. It could have gone on and on. And by the way, dinner was delicious. Some of you would tell others about a movie they must watch, a restaurant they must try out, a book they must read, a music group they must listen to. Parents are evangelists for the school of their choice. There are political evangelists among us who cannot stop themselves from talking politics and convincing others of their side of the current events. There are social media evangelists. Oh, sorry, you called yourselves influencers. Now, if you have some good news, some really, really good news, some great news, the natural instinct is to tell someone else. Someone gets engaged, they blast it on social media, someone has a family, they send out announcement and photos. Good news is meant to be shared. And the person doing the sharing is an evangelist. And now that we went that wide, let's bring it in narrow again, because the word evangelist does have a specific narrower meaning. An evangelist communicates the treasure of Jesus with others. That's my definition. It refers to a follower of Jesus who witnesses about, speaks out, lives out the good news of Jesus Christ. And today, this narrower definition is our theme. And even with this very narrow definition, I can say to everyone who follows Jesus, you are meant to be an evangelist. We are in a sermon series called The Newborn Church. 
in which we here at ABC are drafting off the first church in the book of Acts. They had to plow their way through uncharted territory, and our goal is to use that energy, that motivation, that learning curve of the first new church for our own progress, to walk down our path of faith a little further, for the joy of being the body of Christ, for the joy of being the church as Jesus meant it to be. Today, we come to evangelism. Now, some of you are natural evangelists in that narrow, specific sense of the word. It's your spiritual gift. You have a way of knowing what to say when you are talking about Jesus, a way of reaching out to others, a way of sharing the good news of Jesus that is inviting and loving. We appreciate and look up to you. But just because some of us from among us evangelize well, that does not mean that the rest of us are left off the hook. No, every follower of Jesus has been given a treasure in Jesus that is bigger than we can spend on ourselves. And therefore, every follower of Jesus is an evangelist who must spend that treasure on others. How do you feel about your treasure? Are you a generous giving person? Or are you hesitant and need to learn how to share that treasure? If you read the Bible, and especially some of the very pointed parables of Jesus, it's crystal clear that Jesus never intended us to keep what he has given to us selfishly to ourselves. If we do, we come under judgment. So today I'm talking to all of us who are charged with evangelism, which is every follower of Jesus. And most especially I'm talking to those of us who need some help. The introverts, the awkward, the people who don't know what to say, the conflict avoiders who don't like to create ripples, the aggressive people who turn every conversation into a battle, the talkers who don't let you get a word in edgewise, you know, us ordinary ABCers. There's a lot to say on this subject. Evangelism is on practically every page of the book of Acts, and I can't to hope to cover it in one sermon. So this is a starter sermon to encourage all of us, every single one of us, to communicate with others the really, really great news about Jesus. Interestingly enough, because evangelism is so prevalent elsewhere in Acts, it's glaringly absent in chapter 1. Remember, that's the waiting chapter. That's where the newborn church prayed together. And I believe that if the church had started to speak out then about Jesus, it wouldn't have been very effective. Or they weren't prepared yet through prayer, and they did not yet have the Holy Spirit. By contrast, in the second chapter, the Holy Spirit came while they were in prayer on the day of Pentecost. They heard the sound like the rush of a violent wind, which filled the entire house. And they saw what looked like divided tongues as of fire, a tongue resting on each of them. Interesting that it's described as tongues because it would deeply impact their own tongues. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out into the streets, speaking in foreign languages, communicating the wonder of who Jesus was. 
the one foundational fact about evangelists is that they communicate the good news about Jesus. And it must be fueled by prayer and must be utterly dependent on the Holy Spirit. As we continue reading in Acts, the role of the Holy Spirit in spreading this good news is inescapably in our face, transforming disciples who were fearful and timid, the ones who locked their doors after Jesus was killed, transforming them into bold witnesses who spread out into the, their communities and into the whole world. Today, we're going to read in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. One day... Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked at him, intently looked at him, as did John and said, look at us. Now, how many of us look intently into the faces of people who are homeless on our streets, of people who are panhandling by the freeways? Or do we avoid eye contact? Do we just glance out of the corner of our eyes? Here's a person who has an obvious need, and Peter and John stop to interact with him. They see him. They really see him. Our motivation for evangelism is the desperate need of others. And not just seeing the need, but caring for the person in need. Peter and John are treating this man not as a project, not as an inconvenience, not as an interruption to their important agenda of prayer, but rather as a person worthy of the love of Jesus. The needs of others should spark within us a desire to share our treasure. And if our hearts are not responsive to others, then maybe the fueling prayer that we need is for our hearts and our eyes to be more open and caring. But notice that the apostles have to tell this man to look at them. Well, obviously he was sitting below them. He was sitting down on the ground. He was not looking up at every person who passed by. He was asking for money in the way he always probably asked for money. Just everybody who passed by, can you spare a dime? Can you spare a dime? The man was not really expecting help. The man was not hopeful. Maybe he'd had all the hope squeezed out of him. Communicating the good news about Jesus is critically important to people who need it even when they don't expect, and may I add, even when they have not identified their own need for it. Verse 5, and the beggar fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. So now there is a two-way connection. The man thinks he might get a couple coins. Maybe he won't go hungry today. Maybe it will be enough for tomorrow, too. He has no idea. He's about to get a treasure, enough for his lifetime and even beyond into eternity. Verse 6, but Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, 
stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. I love the line, what I have, I give you when it comes to evangelism. So let me just take a weight off our shoulders right now. We don't have to communicate. We don't have to share anything that we don't have ourselves first. We don't have to give an academic, theological, apologetic we don't have to be studied. We don't have to have a degree. We don't have to say certain words in a certain way. We don't have to know a formula. We can simply, depending on the Holy Spirit, give needy people what we know, what we have, what we've experienced, what Jesus has first given to us as needy people ourselves. An evangelist, that's you and me, communicates Jesus with what they have been given. What I have, I give you. If I haven't received it, it's not mine to give. I don't have it to give. But notice that Peter and John did not say, what I have, I'm going to keep for myself. We are fully responsible for sharing what we've been given. Now, I have always wanted to be a black preacher I love that communication style. I love the cadence, the energy, the flow. I have always wanted to be more extroverted. I imagine life is easier for extroverts. I've always wanted to have the knack of naturally starting up a conversation with a stranger. I've always wanted to be charismatic, but God didn't make me that way. So I've got to communicate Jesus down at my level, not up here where I want to communicate. I'm responsible for everything up to here, but none of this that I haven't been given. Acts chapter 3, verse 11. While the man clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's portico, utterly astonished. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people, you Israelites, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety, we had made him walk? And I most certainly love this when it comes to evangelism. In communicating Jesus, we don't, and in fact, we can't make anything happen. The evangelist is not responsible for the results. We're not in control of the response of the person in need, and we're definitely not in control of the healing of that person or the opening of their eyes of faith or the miracle of salvation. We can communicate the love of Jesus best we can, and then we need to take our hands off. We need to let go and let God. I don't know if 
in your evangelistic fervor, you have tried your very hardest to make that person understand how very good this thing is that has been so helpful to me, this thing that I want you to incorporate into your life. I really want it to be important to you, too. Have you ever been disappointed that sometimes the other person just doesn't get it? My vegan evangelist neighbors gave it a good shot, but we are not vegan in our household, much as they would have loved us to be. When we communicate Jesus, we can convince and persuade, but we do not have to manipulate or coerce or force anything because the result is not up to us. And yet, at the same time, the evangelist has access to the power of God. We know that we have far more power than just our own power of persuasion. We depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. God is involved in that communication. We let that person respond in their own way, not by giving up on them, but by asking God to work on them. God's power is still at work, no matter what the response. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his servant Jesus, whom you handed over and rejected in the presence of Pilate, though he had decided to release him. But you rejected the holy and righteous one and, have, and asked to have a murderer given to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And by faith in his name, his name itself, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given him this perfect health in the presence of all of you. And now, friends, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, in this way, God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, therefore, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah appointed for you, that is, Jesus. Bold, straightforward, direct, Peter communicates some pointed, hard truths. You are, I mean, he was pointing a finger. You are responsible for killing the author of life, he tells his listeners. You have rejected your Messiah. The only way to deal with that sin is through repentance. Turn away from your wicked ways. Turn to God. Well, it's one thing to say your body is rotten with that stuff you put into it, but you could turn that around with veganism. But it's another thing to say your soul is rotten with all that sin you've put into it. And the only way to change that is with repentance, turning to Jesus, the Messiah, whom God has sent to you. The evangelist, you see, is the bearer of bad news. And I think it's the starkness of this part of evangelism that many people shy away from. Because before we can get to the good news of Jesus, we need to point out the bad news of why we need him. Peter was in Jerusalem 
not too long after the crucifixion and resurrection. So he had every right to say, you killed Jesus. And some of those people listening were immediately taken back in their memories to the physical place they were standing when they stood and shouted for Jesus' death. But certainly not everyone in that crowd had been in the mob that asked for the release of the murderer. Not everyone there had yelled, crucify him. And we certainly haven't. And yet the good news about Jesus must take seriously the bad news that our sin is a factor in his crucifixion. That we have rejected Jesus willfully or through ignorance. That we have caused his suffering through the bad things we have done. That we have not lived up to the creation he created us to be. That we have turned away from him. The bad news is bad, but that makes the good news even better. Because Jesus was raised from the dead and therefore our sins can be wiped out. We don't have to be estranged from Jesus. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We can turn to Jesus, the author of life, and we get life. The evangelism offers the good news of life in Jesus. We can accept Jesus, the holy and anointed one, and we get to be made holy. We can accept Jesus, the Messiah, sent to, by God to save us, to walk beside us, every step of this uncertain life to transform us from the inside out. We don't have to go through our struggles alone. We don't have to depend on our own intellectual power because sooner or later that will fail us. We don't have to depend on our strength or our will. We already know our will will fail us in temptation and our body's strength will betray us. The good news of Jesus is that he gives us a way out of what troubles us most. He provides a way to forgiveness and grace, which is the only lasting real relief for everything we have done wrong. He heals sometimes our body, but always our soul. All the time. When is the last time you leaped for joy? Oh, the good news about Jesus. Of course this beggar leaped and praised God. If you are a follower of Jesus, you know what he's done for you. You know his love. You know the burdens that have been lifted from your shoulders. You know the peace that passes understanding. And you can communicate your love of Jesus to someone around you who desperately needs that love. Will you accept as your challenge the communicating of your love for Jesus in this coming week? Will you pray about it? Will you be open to the God who can match you with someone who needs you this week? All you have to do is communicate Jesus' love and leave the rest to God. And if you don't know the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ, will you accept him today? Will you repent from the wrong you've done? Will you surrender yourself entirely to him and receive grace, love, forgiveness, relief? If your heart is willing, 
Say this prayer with me. Let's bow our heads. Dear Jesus, I ask for forgiveness because I have done things my way and it hasn't worked. I repent from the wrong I've done. Please take the burden of these sins away from me and give me forgiveness instead. I accept you as the only one who can save me. I accept your forgiveness and mercy and commit to live for you from now on. And now I challenge you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, will you allow me to communicate your love to someone else? Bring someone my way this week in conversation, in a chance meeting, in friendship, and let me know how you want me to communicate your love. Give me the heart, give me the words, give me the actions. Can you please work through me this week? In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, I'm excited about what God is going to do through us this week. Will you tell me your story about how God answered that prayer if you prayed it with all your heart? Call me, email me. I'd love to have some stories to share next week of what God did in us and through us. Remember, you are an evangelist. So our benediction today is specifically for you. Go now into your week, into your divine encounters, filled with the blessing of God, the love of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit for the sake of His glory. Amen. As always, we'd like to invite you for this season to join us online at altadenabaptist.org or our public YouTube page every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for remote worship. All events are suspended right now, but if you need prayer, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, we pray God's blessings on you this week.